morning, the very first Sunday of 2018. Just a touch on the cold side. Um, but that's okay. That is to be expected. I want to thank you for your prayers um, on our family's behalf. Um, it was great to be um, in Israel to celebrate the wedding of our oldest son, our only son, Seth. Appreciate uh, Pastor Stewart last week holding the fort down as well as Pastor Josh. Uh, we missed you. Always good to travel, but always better to be home. I don't want to take any attention away from the word. So before we read, before we pray, before we get into that, I wanted to show you a picture or two, just like, just to show you like it's really true. It actually happened. Uh, there's a couple pictures here. The first one, we traveled with a delegation, so you were well represented, okay? There was about 16 folks from Big Woods. Uh, two of them are still over there, Ben and Sarah. Uh, they should be back hopefully soon. We have their son with us, so we're really hoping they make it back soon. Uh, the next picture here, um, this is really true. Like, if you focus, it's hard. On Seth's left hand is a wedding band. It's actually true. Someone actually loves him that's not his mother and father. We are just praising God for uh, our dear Emily, what we refer to in our family as the answer to our prayers. Please be in prayer for both Seth and Emily. He continues on in his graduate studies um, and will uh, be used, Lord willing, together as a team. Uh, there's another picture or two. This is Pastor Aaron and Brianna. Uh, they are on a boat here in the Sea of Galilee. So it was an opportunity for Aaron to see for the very first time another picture, I think, of just Aaron and I together. Uh, we're in a little town called Capernaum. That's the hometown of Jesus. I refer to it as Capernaum. Aaron, Pastor Aaron refers to it, uh, pronounced correctly, as Capernaum. So a little bit of a debate going on there. Uh, the next one is just a picture of uh, my dear bride, Wendy, and I, who she was able to organize the trip, a lot of logistics, and got us back safely. Somehow we arrived at 4 30 in the morning yesterday, so I'm a still a little bit upside down, so I would certainly appreciate uh, your prayers for patience with me this morning. Thank you, um, Daniel, for that. Okay, uh, on to far more important things. As we, what do we do? We close the chapter on 2017. Check that box. We did that. We opened the chapter on another year. Um, we have this past year, I'm sure some of you have had successes and failures. Uh, you have had celebrations. Uh, you have had setbacks. Uh, we've had wins and losses. Uh, we've had births and we've had deaths. And you realize that as we now are um, commencing another year, we have no idea what this year will hold. Believe it or not, some of you probably will not make it through 2018. When you think about the brevity of life, we have no idea what 2018 holds. And that's why it is of utmost importance that we thank the Lord for every single day, every single beat of our heart, every single breath we take. We have no idea what the Lord has in store for us. I think, I trust, and I am praying that we 
are going to have an exciting and a wonderful year. Uh, we look forward to moving into a new building, uh, Lord willing, soon. There's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of souls that need to be saved. Uh, there's a lot uh, of, of, of good news that needs to be shared. Um, I, think, I think as I'm getting older, um, I become more introspective, e- even me, um, every single new year. I will, I will actually, this year, I will be turning 50 years old. I will finally have the opportunity like, to look over my glasses you know how they do it? You know how those old people do it? And they just kind of shake their heads like, no, 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 no. I, 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 will, I will finally have, I'll finally be old enough to do that. Um, but we, but we what? Are trusting the Lord uh, that we would be a church that is, that is grounded, that is founded upon the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would be effective in our ministry, um, we'll examine not only our own walk and relationship with the Lord, but also, Lord willing, in our text, examine the relationship that we have with one another and the responsibility that we have uh, of bearing one another's burdens, so fulfilling the law of Christ. We need prayer. I need prayer and guidance. So would you please bow your heads with me as we commit our time and this text um, to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for this day that you have given to us another day, another year. Lord, we have no idea, we have no idea what this year will hold. But we thank you, Lord, that you have every, every day planned and that our prayer is that we would just hug and hold close to you, tight to you. Father, I would ask that you would um, speak now through your word Allow your Holy Spirit to to fill me and use me however you see fit. Father, may you receive all of the glory. Father, I I pray for every single person that's here today, every single person that listens to this message, that they would hear from you and that their hearts would be encouraged and directed by your Spirit to follow hard after you. Lord, I, I just, I love you and I, I thank you for your, your gracious patience with, with me, with all of us. I would pray, Lord, that as we have been recipients of your mercies and of your grace, that we also would share and show your mercy and grace to others around us. Uh, Father, we just, we ask for your perfect will to be accomplished through this time and through this text. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. If I uh, can read and you can follow along, Paul writes to the five churches uh, spread throughout the region of Galatia, um, Central Asia, or modern-day Turkey. He writes this. He says, Brothers, if anyone is caught, is ensnared, is trapped, in any transgression or in any sin, you... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What I want to do this morning is begin as we kind of um, stand on the precipice of of a new year. We examine first and foremost what? 
the vertical relationship that needs to be in place between us and God. And then after we examine, in a sense, how, how are we doing in our relationship with God, we also have to examine what our horizontal relationship, how are we doing one with another? How, how, do, we, how do we assess that? How do we examine that? How do we look at that? We need to rest in the truth. Well, what is the truth? If you were to go to um, the center part of the, the, the campus, main uh, uh, center of the University of Texas in Austin, Texas, there is what is referred to as the tower. And at the base of that tower um, are, are engraved in granite these words from, from, from Jesus in John chapter 8. It says this, you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? set you free. You all know that. If you were to travel to uh, Washington, D.C., and you were to go into a Founders Library um, on, on, um, on, uh, on Howard University's campus in, in D.C., you would see these same words engraved. You should know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It seems like everyone knows that phrase. If you were to travel to Langley, Virginia, the um, headquarters of the Central Intelligence Agency and walk into the lobby on the walls, you would see these words. You should know the truth and the truth shall set you you free. In a sense, everyone knows that. What's interesting is that it's always John chapter 8, verse 32, but if you were to go to John chapter 8, and I'd encourage you to actually turn there so you can see it yourself. John chapter 8, verse 32, actually, um, it begins with a comma at the end of 31, which means it's one thought. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. So rather than taking a portion, oftentimes what happens, people take a, a, a portion of, of text and take it out of its context, and you run into trouble with that every time. Let, let, me, let me read to you the words that Jesus spoke in entirety. So Jesus said to the Jews, John chapter 8, verse 31, who had believed him, if, if, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, comma, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Which means what? Which means it's all conditional. You're only going to know the truth. and You're only going to be set free if, what? You abide in his word, which means there's a connection between the word and truth. You can't have truth apart from the word. This is the word that we're talking about here. This is the problem that many people have with this word. Everyone wants the truth. Everyone wants to be set free, but they don't want the word. Uh, last week, uh, some particular day, we had the opportunity of traveling to the the Temple Mount, actually the, the upper portion above the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall. This is under uh, Islamic control. And you literally go through metal detectors to make sure that you have no weapons on you. And what's interesting is that you can have a backpack and you can have stuff in there, an extra sweater, or a water bottle. And what was interesting is this. As, as they examined my backpack, I actually had this, my preaching Bible with me in my backpack. And everyone was going through, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And they said, no, 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 you can't go through with that word. You can't go through with those written scriptures. You can leave it here. 
Literally, they made me take it out of my backpack and left it up there. There's something to this word that people have a problem with. Everybody wants the truth. Everyone wants to be set free, but they don't want the word. That's where we're going to go. That's where we need to go. That's where we must go. You could summarize, in a sense, what the Word of God is. We read from Galatians chapter 6. If you were to go back one page, go back one chapter to Galatians chapter 5, there's five words in Galatians chapter 5 that summarize what I believe is the Word and what is truth. And we need that today. We need that today. It says this in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, that Christ has set us free. You you, you want the truth? You want to be set free? You want to know what the word is? You want to know what the word says? The word says what? Christ has set us free. Matter of fact, the entire theme, the entire theme of the whole book of Galatians that Paul is writing is what? That we are justified. We are positionally set what? Free. We are exonerated. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We are justified by faith in Christ alone. Which means what? Paul's writing to clarify confusion. And you know, I believe it's the same confusion that in a sense shadows much of our world today. The confusion is what? The confusion is that if you do certain things and you don't do other things, then you can get like this parking spot reserved for you in heaven. Like do this, do go to church, do put money in the offering plate, do go to Sunday school, do join a home group, do go to Cruz Blanca, Guatemala on a mission trip. Do this and you got a shot at making it to heaven. Don't what? Don't, Don't kill anyone. Uh, don't, don't, don't steal. Don't, don't be jealous. Don't covet. Okay, don't text during church. We, we, we remind people of that all the time. Do your homework. Do obey mom and dad. Do make your bed in the morning. What? And don't ever eat too much. Like we have this idea that do this, don't do this, and hopefully we're going to make it. We're going to make it, right? Wrong. You should know the truth. The truth is what? Christ has set us free, which means, which means what? First and foremost, the first thing we need to do on the first Sunday of 2018 is we need to examine our own heart and our own relationship, what? Vertically with God. We can be in relationship with a holy God, although we are desperate, wicked, sinful people. Why? Because we have acknowledged what Jesus Christ has done for us. First and foremost, that's what we need to do. All I have is Christ. We just sang that. Like I sung it back there, like horribly off tune. All I have is Christ. Let me remind you of this. All you need is Christ. It's all you need. You trust his work over your work. You see, the, the problem is this. If we focus on everything that we must do, then the focus is on You, if it's what you must do, the focus is on you. We must learn to keep the focus on Christ. You see, that's the difference. That's the difference between every other belief system and faith and religion that exists in this entire world. 
There are five, five, what, basic world religions. Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. The, the difference, what, between biblical Christianity is, what, is, is that we teach the fact that Jesus Christ has done it. There's nothing else for you to do. There's nothing you can do in order to win heaven other than just fall on your face and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I trust in your work and in your work alone. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross in your place. You deserve to be there. I deserved the full weight and the wrath of a holy God. And he saw you. He saw me and he said, I love you. I'm going to suffer on your behalf. He was nailed before he died. He cried out, it is finished. It's complete which means what? Literally, literally at that moment, literally the earth shook. And it has, it has never been the same since. We know literally what? The curtain was torn and the law of Moses was replaced by the law of Christ, the law of, of love, the law of grace. There's nothing left for you to do in order to win heaven. It's all about what Christ has done. As we examine what? Our own heart first and foremost. We examine that vertical relationship. The only way we can have a relationship with our holy God is through the work of Christ. Problem is what? We love our time of prayer. We love our time of of communion. We love the fact that we have access to the throne room of God's grace. And we love to just bask in this relationship. And then what happens? You come to church with other people. That's where things begin to get a little bit shaky. I was talking with other pastors, and they oftentimes talk about the fact that ministry would be really, really easy if there weren't people involved. You see, that's where we can keep this vertical relationship, and then we examine the horizontal relationship, and that's where things begin to get hard. Why? Because, well, she just thinks differently than I think. And, and I just think he's wrong. And who came up with this idea? You see, it's this horizontal relationship that we need to examine how are we doing. You see, Paul, Paul wants to clarify confusion. And what he does is he gives, in a sense, a a scenario for us that we can learn from. where, Where we talk about burying one another's burdens. So the focus is what? Why we are to care. Like, why should we even care about these people sitting around us? Why, why should we even care about the lost that are in this community? And we also look at Galatians at, at, at how we are to do this. Like, how are we to care? Like, legitimately, I, in my flesh, I don't give a rip. And yet, when the Spirit awakens my heart... I literally, literally can wake up in the middle of the night and I see people's faces and I find myself burdened for them. I find myself praying for them. The, the founder of the Salvation Army, his name was General William Booth, was to be the keynote speaker a number of years ago at an international convention. When at the very last moment, he fell ill. He was unable to... To, to make the trip. He was unable to speak. 
And so this is before the days of texting and before the days of email. And so they actually telegraphed, they cabled a message to the delegates at that meeting. And it was one word. It was one word. It summarized his entire thoughts of what he wanted to communicate. And that one word was others, others. You see, that's where we have to focus as we enter a new year of ministry at Bigwoods Bible Church in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. We, you and I, need to learn to be more concerned about others than ourselves. I said that again. We are like innately selfish. We're self-absorbed. I am. I, I, I want to be first in line. That's just the way it is. I, I, want, I want the biggest piece of cake. That's the way it always goes. And yet, if we are to do ministry in 2018 at Bigwood's Bible Church in Lockheed, Pennsylvania, we've got to get this down. And so we've got to examine. You see, Paul's writing, he's he's engaged here in a heated battle with the Judaizers. In a sense, Jewish leaders who have come in, he talks about the fact, I'm shocked that you have so quickly fallen away from the truth. As he's writing this letter, what had happened is that influence had come in, had crept in that says you must do this and do this and do this and don't do this and that's going to allow us to get to heaven. And, and, and Paul is furious with this. All, all the Judaizers are concerned about was themselves, their, their external appearance. And there was little focus on the internal condition of the heart. You have to realize that we must, must always see other people. If you were to take that one phrase, one another, do you realize more than 12 different times in the New Testament alone, it says what? Love one another. Love one another. If your mom tells you something 12 times, I'm guessing it's pretty important. The Holy Spirit is telling us what? 12 different times in the New Testament alone. You better love one another. 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 Matter of fact, what? You will be known. The rest of the world will know you by your love for one another. You can carry on with that same theme. It says in James chapter 5, verse 16, pray for one another. How many times do we go to the Lord in prayer and it's this long list of what we have for our own and then, oh yeah, by the way, can you please? And when we tack on, we are to pray fervently. It says in James, the effective, what? Fervent prayer of a righteous man, of a righteous woman avails much. Much happens. It says as well in what? First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, comfort one another, which means go out of your way. I love the picture, the image of the good Samaritan who gets off his donkey or gets off his horse, whatever it was, and, and goes to and assists. That, that's what we're supposed to be doing in ministry in this community. We, we are surrounded by people who are literally blinded to the good news of Jesus Christ. We have the solution, we have the answer, and yet oftentimes we're more concerned, what, about comforting ourselves than, than comforting those who are in need. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, edify one another. It means to build up or pour your life into the life of someone else. Can I ask this? What, what is your ministry? 
If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been gifted with at least one spiritual gift. You have the responsibility to exercise that gift. How are you pouring into the lives of other people? Maybe it's, maybe it's just a little, little, little screamers in the nursery. Forgive me. My grandson's one of them. Okay. I'm not being, maybe, maybe just pouring into them, those little ones. Maybe it's teaching Sunday school. Maybe it's picking up someone who, who needs a ride to church. It might be shoveling someone else up. You're what? You're, you're looking out for. You're building up. You're edifying. You're doing this in the name of Christ. It says, what? One of my favorites is Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Outdo one another in showing honor. Which means if, if someone in this body is, is doing something to show honor, I am to do more than, I'm, I'm, I, I want to be on top. I want to, I want to cross the tape first. I want to do more. Outdo one another. It says what in Galatians chapter 5? Serve one another. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 9, be hospitable to one another. How long has it been since you've opened up your home and, and invited someone in, either from this church or from this community, to say, come in, and I'm going to fix you the best meal, and we're going to sit down, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to honor you, I'm going to be hospitable to you. That, that's, that's what God's word talks about and calls us to if the focus is going to be on others more than ourselves. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, bear one another's burdens. Paul's emphasizing something here. This is not about religion, people. Okay, religion is dead. Religion is what you'll continually be pursuing something that you can't quite grasp. We were in Bethlehem, no, no, no joke. And people, forgive me, they have wrecked. They, they have wrecked much of the area. People are kissing rocks and stones because they think maybe Jesus at one point touched this stone. And so they're literally kissing a rock. That, that's, that's, that's the deadness of, of their religion. There's nothing to it. We were in Bethlehem, and there is a church. I forget the name of it, but literally they built a church on top of a stain on the rock that they said that this is milk that Mary spilled when she was feeding Jesus. Think think about that. So let's build a church here and then come and kiss the rock that has been stained. Are you serious? Like, Like we have access to the throne room of grace. We don't have to be on some pilgrimage to look for something. We found the answer. You see, what Paul is emphasizing is what? Relationships over religion. Relationships over religion. Paul is an amazing communicator, amazing communicator. Like any effective communicator, he can't stay. The tone of Galatians, in all honesty, is very strong. I can't believe that you have walked away from your faith so quickly. I can't believe you're falling for this in, in listening to the lies of the Judaizers that was, that, was, that was the influence. And so what he does, like any effective communicator, is that he can't just be firm the entire time. He softens his tone. If mom and dad are only firm and never gentle or loving, what, you're going to turn them off. 
So Paul's an effective communicator. He, he changes his tone from this firmness to gentleness. And he says, let, let, let me give to you an example. Let me give to you an analogy or an illustration. And he says this. If anyone that you know is caught, the word is ensnared or entrapped, in any transgression. If you know someone who has been caught in sin, then, then you, in your concern for one another, you who are spirit-led, you who are spiritual, should restore them, go get them in a spirit of meekness or gentleness. Keep watch over yourself, lest you fall. And the idea here is what? No one plans to sin. Tomorrow night, 6.30, I've got an opening. I'm going to be really bad. Okay, let's just, let's just clear it out. It's going to be rough. No, no, no one plans it like that. Why? Because there's an enemy. We are engaged in heated battle. It, it describes the tactics of the enemy is like what? Satan is like a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may eat up, devour, destroy. You ever watch Nat Geo when you watch a lion hunt? What does it do? It sneaks up quietly. It uses the cover of the, of the, of the grass behind a tree. And it waits. When a pretty little gazelle, or pretty like is gentle, least expect it. What? There's a pouncing, fierce, ferocious enemy that shreds him. You see, that's exactly, that's exactly what the enemy is trying to do with us. Surprise us, catch us, ensnare us, trap us. Now, you or I who have been made aware of someone who has been trapped in sin, what is your first response? Sadly, sadly, oftentimes is, wow, they're not quite as spiritual as I thought they were. And we try to get a little bit of a leg up. Sometimes we, we, we hear of someone who has been trapped in sin, and, and sadly, this is what we do. This is what we do. Did you hear about them? You wouldn't believe. I think their marriage is really on the rocks. It doesn't look good. I don't know how it's going to go. Yeah, I don't know what happened. And, and for some reason, rather than going to them, we kind of spread... Or, or, or tell others, at some level, we try to push someone else down to kind of pump us up and look a little bit better. Totally, totally wrong. Totally wrong. What happens oftentimes is that we can overemphasize the sin or we can, what, overlook the sin. Oh, it's no big deal. We're all kind of sinners anyway, right? Everyone's going to have a, a difficult time. And, and we neglect that. No, no, no. There's a responsibility that we have. Now, now check, our vertical relationship with God is in place. Now we have to make sure our heart is on, which means that we go to someone in gentleness and meekness. The word is prietus. It, it literally means you restore them in a, in a spirit of meekness. What is meekness? It's defined as power under control. When you find out that someone else has been caught in sin, you realize that you have power over them. You can tell others. 
You can embarrass them. You can humiliate them. You have power over them. Or you can what? You have the power to go and restore them, to get down off your high horse and say, dear brother, how can I pray with you? How can I pray for you? How can I come alongside? You talk about the idea here of, of resetting a bone that has been broken. If, if you ever watched a, an orthopedic surgeon, it's, it's there's strength that's involved, but yet there's gentleness. That's really what's happening here, that we are to be restoring, restoring a bone that has been broken within the body of Christ. Is that your concern or not? You realize that in, in, in being more concerned about others, in going to them in, in meekness and in gentleness, in seeking to restore them, to build them up and bring them back, that's when it says we fulfill the law of Christ, which means what? We treat others as Christ has treated you. We treat others as Christ has treated you. Well, how has, how has Christ treated us? Quite some time ago, what, two and a half, three years ago, I had a young man, a nervous young man, come to me in my office and asked to talk with me. Um, he asked if he could have our daughter Sarah's hand in marriage. And so Ben talked and we met together and, and we prayed together. And I said, son, I said, I, I want you to show me that you love the Lord more than you do our daughter. It's the only requirement. And what was interesting is that what, um, two years ago, this past October the 3rd, up on a hill um, underneath this big, huge oak tree, uh, Ben was standing there, this big, Grin, you know that silly little grin that a groom has as as our daughter Sarah walked towards him. She just walked, and and as she walked, I had the privilege of of being there with her. And what's interesting is that she didn't have like a cardboard box of all the trophies that she won in in lacrosse or soccer. She she didn't have that box with her. She didn't have rolled up her diplomas that she had earned. Okay, she, 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 she wasn't really in a suitcase with all of her, 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 her belongings in it. She brought nothing with her other than what? Her allergies. She, she came with her, her scars that she had fallen or, or when she, she, she ran into the car door and she, she has a scar right there. You can make fun of her crooked eyebrow. That's okay. I said, it's all right. Um, she she came with college debt. Like like she wasn't bringing anything in a sense positive. All that she was bringing was herself. And yet there was still Ben just smiling, just saying, "I'm ready to receive her. She's she's gonna be mine. She's gonna be mine. I'll take all of her." You, you realize that we together as a church are the bride of Christ. 
that we don't, want, we, don't, we, don't, we don't come to the bridegroom. We don't come to Jesus with, oh, yeah, by the way, I remember this many verses when I was in Sunday school. No, no, we don't, we don't bring those things. All we bring, what? Is our scars? The stupid things we've done in the past? All we bring is what? Our, our insufficiencies, our inadequacies? All, all we bring are bad habits? All, all, all we bring is our sinfulness. And yet, what? Jesus, as the bridegroom, is, is ready to receive us. Ready to be in relationship forever with us. When we realize it's not, it's not what we have. It's not the religion. It's the relationship with him. And the evidence of our relationship with him is what is the relationship that we have with other people. So can I, can I leave you with this? 2018, it's going to be tough. 20, 2017 was tough. It, it's it's going to be hard because we're selfish people. But we know ultimately that we can be in right relationship with a holy God through the work of Christ. And because of that, we can receive others just as Christ has received us. May we keep that focus. May we keep that focus as we seek to do ministry for the glory of God and a furthering of the gospel in the community that God has called us to be a part of. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us when we are most unloving. You forgave us of our sin when we put our trust in you. Father, I would ask um, that as we we just try to be obedient to you, that we would would be empowered and strengthened by you and you alone. May we move, eat and breathe and sleep. May we do everything for your glory and yours alone. Father, I'm, I'm excited about what this year holds, but I'm also terrified. And I pray, Lord, that we would trust you. We would see you and we would see others before we see ourselves. Equip us. Empower us. Be faithful for the work of the gospel. For your glory, we ask this in the strong and powerful and wonderful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen and amen.